Going to be in Luke's Gospel. And of course, today's Palm Sunday. And uh, as you're turning in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, the 19th chapter, I was reminded of a little story I heard once that there was, there was, a, there was a young little boy. I don't know, remember how old he was supposed to have been, but he, uh, he got sick right about the time the Palm Sunday rolled around. And so he didn't get to go to church. So his mom stayed home with him and, and his dad went to church. And uh, later on, his dad came home and, and um, his dad had a palm branch. Did anyone remember when we used to do that? Bring palm, we had gave out palm branches on uh, Sunday morning. And so his dad brought home a palm branch. And uh, he laid it down on the kitchen table. When he came in, his little boy asked, Dad, what, what's that? He said, well, that's a palm branch. Well, why do you have that? And he, he went on to explain him that, well, you know, that, that we that we're waving the palm branches because Jesus, you know, Jesus came and he, you know, had the, we, everyone met him at the gates of the city on this. And, and the little boy listened to that intently. And his dad thought, well, boy, I did a really good job explaining that. He was feeling really good. And then uh, he got all done. Little boy says, shucks. The one Sunday I miss, Jesus shows up. <laughs> so with that, would you read with me from Luke's Gospel, the 19th chapter. We're going to read from verse 28 to verse 40. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, sent, sent, went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they didn't say, I'm about to loose my colt 45 on you, though. They, and they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and then they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So what we hear is a, a little bit of a story, and this is a familiar passage of scripture, and, and uh, I know that in the eight, 19 years that I've been here, I think I've preached on it 19 times. <laughs> that just happens, you know, when you come to these these particular Sundays. But we this is a familiar story, and really, what we have here is a story, a, a picture of two identifications. I don't know how else to say it. There is one group of people who identifies Christ in one way, and another group of people who identifies him in a different way. And that's really what I want to look at this morning. Is I see recognizing the king, recognizing the king, because that's what this story is about, is about the king of kings coming to Jerusalem. 
And so, as we begin to start thinking about that, you look and you see the one group of the disciple, what we, they called his disciples, and then the, the, as you read across, kind of across the other Gospels. And, uh, you know, I find it interesting. This is kind of just an aside. You find it interesting when, have any of you ever looked at a harmony of the Gospels where it lists kind of the major things that are in each one? And you begin to know, it, it's interesting to notice which ones are in which. This one happens to be in all four. But some of them are not. And the birth of Jesus is one that's not covered in all four of the Gospels. I found that really interesting. I just happened, in in process of studying for this message, I was looking at a harmony of the Gospels. and I thought, Boy, why is it that the birth of the Savior is not in all four of the Gospels? That's really just an aside. This morning I want to talk about recognizing the King. So we begin by asking ourselves today, do I recognize the king? And as you read the story, now I made a joke about the the owners not pulling out their Colt 45, but we really don't know the exact scenario that this was. The people that had the Colt may very well have been well known to Jesus. He may have known, he may may very well have known that they had a, a donkey Colt that no one had ever ridden on. It it doesn't say, we really don't know. Either way, Jesus sent the disciples to go get the colt. And these are all important things. As you read read this, it's very important to realize that donkey, that colt, is important. So I want you to store that away. The fact that he sent his disciples to get that and he rolled that particular colt into the city is an important thing. And it's also important to notice what they said. Remember they said, Hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's an important thing to realize. The fact of the matter is, is that all of these things were done intentionally. Jesus, in doing what he did, in sending the disciples and riding in on a colt, he was very purposely and intentionally fulfilling a prophecy. This was not an accidental one. Now, you know, when Jesus was born... He fulfilled a prophecy, didn't he? You could kind of say that he accidentally, or incidentally, I don't know the best word there to use, he incidentally fulfilled the prophecy. This one, Jesus did intentionally. He fulfilled this prophecy intentionally. Because in doing so, does anyone have a guess as to what he was doing? By fulfilling this prophecy, by riding the colt, that had never been sat upon, this donkey colt, into the city, what was he actually doing? Other than just fulfilling a prophecy, there's something kind of larger behind it. Anyone want to take a guess? It's kind of obvious, sort of. Nobody wants to guess? You're all afraid. John? Yep. Yep. We're going to get there. I'm going to look at something else, though. What else was he doing? He was declaring himself to be the Messiah. In fulfilling this prophecy, he was actually openly declaring himself as the Messiah. As you read through Scripture, it's not that Jesus really, in in many cases, made an attempt to hide he was the Messiah, but this was the first time where he kind of broadcast it intentionally. 
You know, you, can, you find scriptures where Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped earlier. The, you know, just one of the, time, one of the times when they, were in the, you know, when they were in the boat, it says that they worshipped him and Jesus didn't stop them. And so in doing so, he was, at that point in time, he was declaring himself to be the Messiah, but that was not to a, a large public group. This was to the city necessary, was kind of to the city, everyone. He was publicly declaring himself to, them, to be the Messiah. It was an intentional act. In Matthew chapter uh, 21 and verse 4, it says this, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, by, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, and that was referring to a, a prophecy that was from Zechariah 9.9, which talks about the Messiah coming on the foal or the colt of a donkey that had never been ridden. Not the donkey, the foal, the colt. And so Jesus was declaring himself to be the Messiah. And so he was literally saying, here I am. I am the Messiah as he came into town. Now, that's an important thing to realize because it's kind of obvious that the people who were with him, his disciples, they recognized, recognized him to be the Messiah. But here's the thing. I think that what we're going to discover in just a few short days is that some of those who seemed to recognize Jesus for who he was were still suffering a case of misidentification. They were not actually, they did not actually realize who he really was. There were, there were many, we saw the Pharisees, it was obvious that they were mistaken about who he was. They didn't recognize Jesus as the, as the true Messiah. But at the same time, there were, I think, groups, there were people who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, who really didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. And that happens oftentimes in our life. That some of us who openly declare and we worship Jesus and we sing praise to him, there is still some little bit of misidentification of who Jesus really is. That even though we recognize him as a king, I'm not entirely sure that we always recognize him as the king that he is. And I would ask you this question. Have you ever felt disillusioned? Anyone ever felt disillusioned with God? Oh, come on. You had, you've, you've been there. you just like, wait a minute. That did not turn out at all, Lord, like what it was supposed to. Frankly, for close to six, seven months, we prayed for my dad to be healed. I remember when I was younger, my, as my grandma got sicker and sicker and sicker, my mom's mom, my grandma Yoder, we prayed intensely for her to be healed of lung cancer. She got, but she just kept getting sicker and sicker. And eventually, as you well know, my, my dad just a year ago passed away. And my grandma, you know, 20 some odd years ago. And you, say, you stop and say, wait a minute, Lord. That didn't turn out at all like it was supposed to. You know, I know that Cheryl's cousin Sherry is struggling with some, have, has that, some of that battle going on as well. You know, she looks at Tom, you know, her husband, who's literally, Tom has been a faithful servant of the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful man. He loved, he just loved people. Tom loved people. Loved to help people. In fact, 
Sherry would sometimes get, end up getting exasperated because Tom was always helping somebody do something, sticking his neck out. Yeah, we can fix that. He did that for me several times. And sometimes we, we struggle with that because we say, wait a minute, Lord, things are not turning out the way they should. We become, it, we, we become disillusioned. That's perfectly normal. And there were some in the crowd on that original Palm Sunday that I think that as they welcomed Jesus as the king, they were still misidentifying what kind of king he was. See, that sometimes we fail to recognize him as the king of our hearts, and instead we relegate him to be the king of our circumstance. And I want you to let that sink in, because there is a very real difference. And I'm not saying that God is not able to change our circumstance, because he obviously is, and we all, we've all seen that happen from time to time. But that's not the king that rode in on the donkey that day. And when we begin to relegate him to simply be the king of our circumstance, we set ourselves up for that disillusionment to come. All it takes to happen is for something to not go as the way we think it should and we become disillusioned. Wait a minute. God must not be real because I prayed and this didn't happen. Those are hard times. And if, and if he's only the king of our circumstance, we will become disillusioned. You see, when Jesus rode into town, he wanted to be the king. He was the king. He declared himself to be the king. And, and still today, he wants to be the king of so much more than just our circumstance. He wants to be the king of our hearts. He wants to be the king of our desires. He wants to be the king of our ambitions. He wants to be the king of our affections. He wants to be the king of our hearts. You see, I think it's significant that he rode in on a donkey colt and John put his finger on it. You know, when Pilate came to town, to Jerusalem, he came in a very different manner. Pilate, when he would ride in, he rode in on a horse. And generally, when when there were when kings, when conquering kings who were conquering by force came to town, they rode a horse. It was a war steed. They needed something that was fast and tall and powerful. Not that donkeys aren't powerful; they're very, very, very strong. But they would ride in on a horse, and they would have with them a huge entourage, and, and Pilate was actually known for this. He loved when he came to town to come surrounded with a large contingent of armed men. And so he would come into town looking like someone who was large and in charge. And Jesus, when he came to town, he rode in not just on a donkey, which was actually a well-known symbol. A lot of times when, when delegations would come to towns, when they were a peaceful delegation, when they came in, in, seek, in seeking reconciliation, what they would do, they would ride in not on a, on, on a big, uh, you know, powerful war horse, so to speak, with a, pow- a big contingent of armed men around them. They would come on a donkey. They would come on a donkey. 
And Jesus rode into town on a donkey because he came to be the king of our reconciliation. That spoke of peace and humility and that reconciliation of relationship with him. And I believe that Jesus was making a direct statement about the salvation that he brought. You know, I know at the same time that we speak of this, we need to make sure that, that we understand that ultimately there will come a day when everyone, the Bible says, when everyone stands before the judgment seat of Christ. And those who have not accepted his reconciliation and made him their Lord and Savior will receive a recompense that no one really wants to receive. And hopefully we don't want anyone else to receive. And so when you, be, when you watch the story that would play out over the next four or five days after Palm Sunday, you know, he rides into town, people are worshiping him, they're, they're, they're calling him the king, and now here's, here's what I find interesting. Look back on that passage, when, when they kind of get into town and people are asking what's going on or who is that, do you look and see the statement of what they said? They didn't say, that's Jesus, the Messiah. They said, that's Jesus, a prophet from Nazareth. Now, was, who, who said that? I don't know. It's not really recorded who exactly said it. But see, I think that that's a telling statement. That they, even the ones, even some of the very ones who were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, still didn't quite recognize the king that was standing before them. They didn't recognize what kind of king or the king that he was. And so when the, when the events of, the, of that particular week would play out, they were in store for some disillusionment. Now, some of them, I don't know that they got disillusioned. They just flip-flopped. So we have to ask ourselves that same question. Will I recognize the, the, the king today for who he really is? And then when Friday comes, will I recognize him then? Because we all know that Palm Sunday immediately precedes Good Friday. And, you know, I looked up once why they had why they call it Good Friday. It just doesn't seem very good, does it? The things that Jesus endured leading up to his crucifixion were anything but good. The question then we have to ask ourselves is, do I recognize him properly today when things are, are wonderful and we're shouting and we're on a kind of on a spiritual high? But what happens when Good Friday rolls around? How many still recognize Jesus as the king then. I mean, think about it. One, not even a full week later, just a few short days later, Jesus would go from coming and riding on this donkey's colt, being worshipped and accepting that worship as the Messiah, as the king, to someone whose body was, was broken and he had been... You know, he had been so badly beaten that he was pretty much unrecognizable. I mean, think about it. The Romans, the Romans were very good at what they did. The Roman soldiers were very good at what they did. When, when they prepared someone for crucifixion, it wasn't dressing them up to go 
be executed. They prepared them by beating them to such an extent that they would not survive very long on the cross. And it's, it's sort of gruesome and brutal to think, but that's the reality of it, that when they, would, when they would scourge the prisoners in preparation, their point in doing it was to weaken them physically so that they would die quickly or more quickly on the cross. Now, that was done to different, different extents, and I think Jesus received a worse one than, than some did. But that was one of the points at doing one of the reasons to do that. And so Jesus, his body would end up broken, his face disfigured. He'd been subjected to a torture that was designed to make sure he wouldn't live long on the cross. And the reality is, is that the next Friday he would not look like a conqueror in any human sense. I mean, think about it. If you were to see Jesus in the state that they, he was when he put him on the cross, could you really look at him and say, there is a conqueror? No. In a human sense, it's in human vision. He would not look at... And folks, we have to be careful that when we see the king, that we recognize the king, not just on, on Palm Sunday, but on Good Friday. I mean, think about it. On Palm Sunday, they were still, what, five, six days away from what changed everything. On Good Friday, they were on the cusp, the very cusp of salvation, of their eternity being changed. They were about to win big, but it didn't look like it. It didn't look like it. I mean, think about it. Many of the people... That originally south of Hosanna, we don't know how many. We just know that likely some. There were definitely some who shouted Hosanna on Palm Sunday that, that during that following week eventually would shout as it is recorded here in Luke chapter 23 and verse 21. But they shouted saying, crucify him, crucify him. And I would ask you this, have you ever found yourself doing a similar thing? Not saying crucify him. I think most of us would probably stop short of that. But sometimes when the way we want something to go doesn't happen or our desires aren't fulfilled, we immediately turn on God and say, wait a minute here. How of you would, would, would do what I have to say that I've done a few times when I've literally said to God, wait a minute, I did everything the way I was supposed to. Why didn't this happen the way it was supposed to? To a certain extent, we're doing the same thing. We, we, we question, we doubt, and, and unfortunately for some, they even abandon. And that's exactly what happened with some of the crowd who shouted, Hosanna to the king. They eventually abandoned him and shouted, crucify him. Let me ask you an obvious question. Wasn't it the same man who rode in on the donkey and hung on the cross? It was the same one. It was the same one. The same king that rode in on the donkey hung on the cross on Good Friday. 
The same one. It's all a matter of recognizing the king. So often in our world today, we don't recognize the king. We may appear to recognize the king. You know, when we read the story in Luke chapter 19 there, we see that there were some who recognized him as a king. And then there were others, I think there were some in the crowd who recognized the king. They recognized the king. And I think there were some that recognized a competitor. They saw Jesus as a direct threat to their own power, their own influence. The question is, do what do we recognize? Which king do we recognize in our lives? Do we recognize Jesus when we're shouting Hosanna? We're having a good time in praise and worship where we've gone to youth convention and, and the band is rocking and you know we're having a good time? Or and what about those times in hospital rooms? And we've all had them. Praying for that loved one or, or maybe something not quite that severe but but something so very important in our lives and we're praying so very hard and then it just doesn't come to pass. Do we still recognize the king? He's the same king, isn't he? The same king rode on the horse that died on the cross. The reality was is that those who saw him die on the cross and knew who he really was, if they really understood what he told them, would have been shouting, I mean, think about it. When Jesus died on the cross and he said it's finished, that meant game's over. We win. We win. Do you recognize the king? Will you stand with me this morning? I challenge you. Will you proclaim him the king, not just on Palm Sunday, but on Good Friday, because he's the king. He just is the king. How will you recognize him? How will you identify him? I, I really challenge you to recognize him as the king of more than your circumstance. That's, that is a dangerous way to classify who Jesus is. Will you bow your heads with me?